Well, if there is any group of people that ought to know how to celebrate, it is the people of God. Uh, We have been called out, we've been uh, called up, we have been set apart, we've been brought back to life, we've been empowered, we've been promised. Uh, God has given us so much and we have reason to celebrate. But sometimes our spiritual places are the least celebratory of any space we have. Um, If we're at home or if we're at work or if we're at school, we celebrate everything, a birthday, an anniversary, first day of school, last day of school, first day on the job, the last day of the job, retirement, whatever it is, we celebrate everything. And yet we get into a sacred spiritual kind of space and we feel like being solemn, being somber, being silent, being very, very cautious that that's somehow more honoring to God than anything else. And the truth is, God has called us to celebrate. And if you look through the story of God, there are parties going on all the time. Now, many of the parties are to remember what God has done, and many of them are to look ahead to what God is going to do. But it almost seems like God was just giving people a reason to celebrate because he created us for that. We want to do that. There is a desire within us to celebrate, to be excited about something. That's why when our teams win, we get so pumped up. And when they don't, we're so let down because we wanted so much to be able to celebrate. We love to do that, but we don't do that as much here. Because in the end, what are we celebrating? I mean, it's not our credit anyway. God's done it all. So uh, who really deserves any praise inside of a spiritual, sacred kind of space? And yet for us, one of our core values, one of our five core values is to celebrate every step. No matter how small the step, every single step we take in our faith journeys is worth celebrating. We don't rarely, uh, we don't do that very often. We rarely take the time to celebrate. So I just wanted us to stop here for a moment and try to apply at least the core value here right now. So Maybe you're willing to admit it. I don't know, but I'm just going to ask for a hand here. If, if you, for the first time in a long time, are back in church, you say, I've been out, my reasons are my own, I've been gone, but I'm back in this place, I'm going to give it another shot. We just raise your hand. Like, I've been out of church for a while, but I'm back. All right. Well, happy back day. There you go. All right. We're, we're glad. That is yours. So look at you. You got celebrated today. And I know you. I'm glad you're back. All right. All right. If you are willing to say, you know what? I wanted so much to get back at somebody this week. And yet I stopped. You can't do it twice. No, no, no. And, and I chose to forgive even though I didn't feel like it. You're going, is this a t-shirt situation? Because I'm making up anybody else that's willing to say other than our front row t-shirt hoggers. Like I, um, I wanted to get back at somebody. I chose to forgive. All right, testing the arm. Here we go. Watch out, Ed. Here we go, to the side. All right, it's a shirt. They don't travel as well. Okay, all right. Anyone willing to say, this week I spent more time with God than I had the previous week? I prayed more this week than I had the previous week. All right, I see you back, right? Here we go. Oh, there we go, gotcha, all right. Apparently, uh, lady softball is where I need to to be. Uh, So anyway. Um, I'm out of shirts, but uh, take those shirts to the welcome desk and get the, whichever one you want and get the right size for you, whatever. I think they're all just smalls or mediums. I just thought, I'm not going to try that. Don't know who's going to be here, but you can trade that in. So that's a $20 gift, by the way. Uh, so if you're looking for stocking stuffers, mingle around and uh, anyway. Um, but 
you deserve to be celebrated. Every step ought to be celebrated. Now, if I'm visiting for the first time, I'm automatically thinking, like, this is an odd place. Like, they're throwing shirts out. They've celebrated. They haven't even opened the Bible yet. And I understand that. But we struggle so much to just celebrate and smile about what God has done. And every time we get together as a spiritual family, we feel like we have to just stop and think about how far we have to go. Instead of being willing to look back and say, God, honestly, I shouldn't even be here. Like I was so far away from you. The fact that I'm here is a little bit miraculous. And so instead of always focusing on how far we have to go, which is very clear as we look into the story of God, as we get to know his heart and character, it's okay to stop and celebrate and say, God, but I have come a long way. You have done something in me that's significant, and I've come a long, long way. My heart used to be so much more bitter. I used to be such an angry person, and now I'm just a little angry, but I used to be so angry. I used to be so unforgiving, and I'm finding myself now at least attempting to forgive. I used to be so mean to myself, and I would look in the mirror, and I was so frustrated with the person I was, but I'm, I'm learning to realize I'm a work in progress. And it's okay to begin to at least see how far you've come in the journey that God has taken you. And that's what we mean by celebrate every step. Not all the steps seem super significant. Of course, we're going to celebrate when someone says yes to Jesus and follows through with baptism. And when you come up out of the waters, you have the church family clapping. And we know we're not clapping because you saved yourself, but we're just excited about what God has done in your life. And we're celebrating with you. But there are also small steps like, you know what, today I'll just open up God's word and see if he'll speak to me. You know, today it is Sunday and I don't feel like going and it's 17 degrees outside, but I was created to gather with God's people and so I'm gonna do that and so I'm gonna go. In fact, if you came and you came with someone, maybe someone ought to turn today and just say, hey, good job, thanks for coming. I'm glad you brought me here. I'm I'm glad we're able to be here. Um, Because most of the time, we don't stop and do any of that. We don't celebrate the steps along the way. So uh, what I want us to do today is to look into the story of God and look at how they celebrated. And most importantly, really look at why every step is worth celebrating. So we're going to open our Bibles to the book of Exodus. We'll look at chapter 33 here in just a moment. And I know we've already uh, prayed, if you will, but I don't guess you can pray too often. So anytime we open up God's word, um, I'm trying to get us more into the tune of praying. So let's have a brief word of prayer before we jump in here. Uh, God, open our minds so that we can hear your word and understand it. Open up our hearts so that we can apply your word. And God, give us hands that are willing to go out and live out your word in our cities. Uh, Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being willing to speak to us. Speak now. Your people are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Taking steps has always been God's way of leading us. He's always been about the journey. If you go back thousands of years, God showed up in the life of a uh, man named Abram and said, Abram, I want you to get your stuff together and I want you to go. I'll tell you where later. Let's just start moving. And God led him to a place, God gave him a promise that he was going to be the father of an entire nation of people, a chosen people set apart for God's purposes. And then about 400 years later, it looked like God was not going to make good on the promise to the descendants of Abraham because his people were no longer even in the right country. They were in Egypt and they were living as slaves and they were not living as people of the promise. 
But God went to a man named Moses and said, I want you to go. I want you to go back to the people, go back to Egypt, and I want you to tell the leader to let my people go. So Moses went back and he led them out and they had this miraculous journey they were on. They went across the sea. They're on the edge of the land of promise. So it looks like God's promise is about, about to be fulfilled. And God spoke to his people and said, okay, here's the thing. You had forgotten about me. Hundreds of years had passed and none of you were thinking about me, but I thought about you the whole time. So I want to renew this relationship. I want us to have a covenant together. I want us in many ways to have this agreement, a new promise together. And all I'm asking is that you are 100% faithful to me. That's all I'm asking. I've been 100% faithful to you. I'm asking that you respond to me in the same way. And if you do that, then you're going to experience the promise that I have prepared for you and have from the very beginning. So all they had to do was to remain faithful to him and God would lead them to this land of promise. Now, along the way, there were a lot of discouraging moments and the people struggled to keep their promise. And in Exodus chapter 33, I feel like their relationship, the people's relationship with God is encapsulated in this one image of what it was like for them to worship. In Exodus chapter 33, verse seven, it said, now Moses used to take a tent and set it up far outside the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who was seeking the Lord's will used to go outside the camp to the tent of meeting. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand at the entrance to their tents and watch Moses until he went in. As soon as Moses went into the tent, the column of smoke would come down and stay at the entrance to the tent while the Lord spoke with Moses. When all the people saw the column of smoke standing at the entrance to the tent, they would all bow with their faces touching the ground at the entrance to their own tents. The Lord would speak to Moses personally as a man speaks to his friend. And then Moses would come back to the camp, but his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, stayed inside the tent. For these people, as they began their relationship with God, they had this difficulty right in front of them all the time where they couldn't get to God. There was a barrier, a distance between them. Moses was able to go in to meet with the people, but they were not. So imagine every single time you came to worship, you had to be on the outside. You could only go to a certain place and you couldn't go past that line because you weren't prepared, you weren't ready, you weren't worthy of going there. And only Moses and Joshua, the people that God had set apart, were able to go. So every single time the people got together, there was a reminder that they were not far enough in their journey. So on the old journey, no step was ever far enough. No matter how long they traveled, no matter how far they went, no matter how well they tried to listen and obey, none of it was ever enough. Every time the moment of worship came, they were reminded, you're not good enough. You're not able. You're not holy enough. You're not perfect enough. You haven't kept your end of the bargain. You're not, you have not been 100% faithful to God, so you've got to stay on the outside every single time. Moses was able to go inside and they were on the outside wondering what it was like for Moses to be able to talk to God, to be able to hear his voice, to speak friend to friend as Moses was able to do to God. Now, they were afraid 
in many ways of approaching God. They knew dirt was on their hands, so to speak, figuratively. They knew they weren't worthy of being there. But there was also this reminder that, yeah, you can't do that. You're not special enough. You're not holy enough. You haven't kept your end of the deal. So there was this constant division between them. No matter how hard they tried, no step in their journey was ever really enough. And many of us know what that feels like, to feel like you're just never good enough. You try and you try and you try, but you're just never quite enough. And you always feel like you're on the outside of whatever it is that is significant that God is doing. And even here, even though you know some people around and some welcomed you, maybe you met someone today and you uh, got a new name and the whole deal or someone remembered you from last week, yeah, that all feels good. But you still feel spiritually just like you're on the outside. You're just never really good enough to be where someone else is or where they are, whoever they may be. Well, there's a letter in the New Testament that teaches what it's like in the new journey, but he does it first by recalling the old journey. And if you have a Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. A man named Paul was trying to speak to Christian people on what it was like to follow God now and how it was different than the old journey and how it could be different through what Jesus had done for them. So he's recalling what it was like. And in verse 12, he said, we're not like Moses. He kept covering his face with a veil. He didn't want the people of Israel to see the glory fading away. However, their minds became closed. In fact, to this day, the same veil is still there when they read the Old Testament. It isn't removed because only Christ can remove it. Now, he alludes to something that's a little different and odd, and we didn't read about it a moment ago. But later on, if you want to go back, just to fact check, make sure I didn't make it up, Uh, In Exodus chapter 34, there is this story about what it was like for Moses to go in and meet with God. And when when he went originally to meet with God, he came back to speak to the people and Moses didn't realize it, but his face was actually glowing. Like there was a physical change to his appearance. So he's speaking to the people saying, this is what God has told me and this is what I'm relaying to you as his people and they got frightened and they backed up. And I, I don't know how he knew about it if Joshua just started pointing like, you know, like, it's your face. Like, why is everyone running from me? And it was just, you know, like, your face is on fire. It's glowing. And I, I don't have any understanding of what that really looked like, but his face was lit up. And the people knew without a shadow of a doubt that he had spent time with God. I found myself this week and even this morning praying a similar thing. And I felt kind of funny praying it, but I thought, you know what? It's a pretty powerful thing though, to know without a shadow of a doubt that the person that's opening up God's revelation to them, you know, for sure he spent time with God. So I I was praying and I said, Lord, I don't know what this would look like. I, I really don't outside of going to Island Tan or something down the road. I don't know how to do this but like just for what, in whatever way, just make it really, really apparent. And then I found myself saying, light me up, light me up. To, and I was the weirdest prayer I've ever prayed. I don't even think that's probably a good thing to pray, light me up. But I was like, light me up, Lord. So when I show up, people will know, if nothing else, that my heart has been with you. 
And, and Moses was able to do that with the people. He came back and no one could say, you don't talk to God. Oh, never mind. Your face is on fire. So what he would do though, after he would speak, was to take a veil and put it over his face. Say, well, why, why would you do that? Why would you even hide that? I mean, I would be really proud of that if I had spoken to God, my face got all tan and, and it was so different than everybody else and it was obvious there was a glow. Because after that first time, Joshua apparently let Moses in on a little secret that a few hours after the moment, he had begun to fade and the glow would start to diminish as time would go on. So he would spend time with God. His face would light up. The people would say, oh, get away from us. We don't know what's going on. He would speak to them and then he would begin to fade. And over time, it would start to go away. Um, if you've ever spent much time in it, just you know, lifting physical fitness, that kind of thing, you know the pump. And I, when I was in college, I would try so hard. My vanity was just over the top of this, I realized, but confession is good for the soul. And I remember we would go to the gym. If you've ever lifted weights, you know, there's like this 20 to 25 minute period after underneath where you're so, you can't even get your arms down. You're just all swollen up. But then like by the time you get back to the dorm, like you look kind of like an average guy. So you're like, we, we got to fix this, you know, so that whenever I, we see people, you know, that would, they have the pump going on. And so I think our generation had the birth of the, let's take a picture while we're at the gym. And then we wear our big stuff. When we get back, we don't know that like underneath, we just got like 85 sweatshirts because we've just, we've lost, we've lost that impression. And that's in many ways, the face of Moses. He goes in, he lifts with Jesus. People come out and go, whoa, step back. And then a few hours later, it's just kind of gone. Say, so why do we even bring that up? Because on the old journey, no progress was permanent. And God's people would try so hard. They would spiritually lift so much weight and they would feel so good about themselves. They would look around and say, well, that doesn't honor God. That doesn't honor God. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. They would clean house. They would find all these little idols and images they had worshiped along the way. They would throw them away. They would burn them up. They would take these drastic measures. And then after they had gotten right with God, if you will, the progress would just begin to fade. And then as time would go on, they got tired and they got frustrated. They got discouraged. They got disappointed Hadn't been a while since they had been, or it had been a while since they had been to a service and they hadn't seen Moses' face glow in six days. And they're thinking, oh, come on, maybe we'll just go back to the way. It was just constant, back and forth. No progress was ever permanent. The change never lasted for God's people. So under the old journey, you just got this idea that no step is ever enough. And the, I guess the words of our, some of our greatest theologians, if you ain't first, you're... It's, it's nice to know you have such a sophisticated taste there uh, in movies. Uh, if you're not first, you're, you know, that was their idea. That if you're not first, you're last. Like, it, it doesn't matter. No step is ever far enough. We can't get there. And then no change is ever really permanent. Well, in verse 15 and 16, he explains the change between the old and new covenants, the old and new promises and journeys. He says, even today, when they read the books of Moses, a veil covers their minds. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That if you're going to live by the old journey, if you're gonna base your life 
on, if I do good, God's happy with me. If I don't do right, then I'm out of fellowship with God and I'm on the outside. He doesn't want to spend any time with me. But then when I get things right, then I'm welcome back in his presence, then I mess up. If that is the way you're going to live, he said, a veil is covering your heart because you just don't get it. He said, because what Christ did actually gives us the ability to have our veils removed and say, we're no longer going to operate this way. Now we're going to operate it this way where Jesus did what we could not do. And if by faith we trust in him, he removes that veil, which makes it even cooler that God refers to us as the bride of Christ. That Jesus would show up to veiled people and say, I'm asking for your hand. I want to lead you home. And everyone who says yes, he lifts that veil and he brings us in. And that's a lot more cool and romantic for ladies, I'm sure, than us. But we get the, kind of the image there. Men, women, we have to have that barrier removed, that veil removed. And God says, I'm inviting you into something deeper. But it only happens through Christ. And when the veil is removed, the distance is closed, the gap is closed, and we're able to experience what the old journey was trying there's this constant pursuit of not necessarily perfection, but of perfect alignment with God's plans. And we're able to experience that through what Jesus did. And in verse 17, the process, if you will, is explained this way. He said, the Lord is the spirit and wherever the Lord's spirit is, there is freedom. As all of us reflect the Lord's glory with faces that are not covered with veils, we are being changed into his image with ever increasing glory. This comes from the Lord who is the spirit. He says, our faces, like the face of Moses, as we continue in the journey, we're becoming more and more and more like him. And we're looking more and more like the son of God. And when we look into the mirrors of our souls, our lives are looking more and more like Jesus. There is a transformation happening. So on the new journey, every step is cause for celebration. That's why as silly as it may seem, we stop to celebrate every step in the process because this is that process of being changed from glory to glory, step by step into the image of Jesus. So for some of you, your step may have just may just have been that you came today, like you were here. You didn't want to be here, but you're here. And that doesn't seem nearly as significant as someone else who may have told someone about Jesus at work on Friday. They don't seem to be even remotely close. But as God looks down, each one took us a step closer to being able to worship him with more honesty and more transparency, to hear, hearing his voice with more clarity. Every step is a cause for celebration because everyone took you from wherever you are and brought you to that next place. For some of you, you simply just told your spouse that you love them for the first time in weeks this weekend. And you're thinking, well, I mean, that's just kind of my job. It's kind of my role, but most people don't do it. And you did it. You said, well, that's my duty. Let's stop putting it in terms of what I'm supposed to do and realize that most of us don't do anything we're supposed to do. So when we do do those things, I know that's weird to say, we do do those things, it is time to celebrate. They say, okay, I did this thing. And most of us don't continue in those steps because we don't take time to celebrate them. 
or we don't take time to call them out. Someone else is obviously taking a strong step. We go, hmm, and we just move on. Don't say a word. We don't stop to celebrate. We don't even acknowledge it. And at times, that lack of encouragement causes us to be discouraged and we don't move forward and we don't have the courage to take those steps. So why isn't the church more... uh, you know, more uh, attuned to this? Why don't we know more about this? And why don't more churches just celebrate the small stuff? Why does it always have to be we have so far to go instead of look how far you've come? And as someone who has grown up in local churches my entire life and has given my life to serve one, I think at times we're afraid of grace and we're afraid of freedom We're thinking if we don't constantly remind people how bad they are and how far they have to go, they won't have any motivation to go to the next step. And so we'll rule and we'll try to control with fear. And yet you look back at the life of Jesus and he spent his entire ministry overthrowing that messed up system of trying to lead people by fear. He said, you're free. We're free to do whatever we wanna do. We're free. And that freedom is scary for us. But if I have truly been changed, if God has truly done a work in me, then my freedom doesn't lead me to say, well, I'll just do whatever I wanna do and I'll see you when it's time for me to die and go to heaven. It's I'll do whatever I can now to honor you and thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown me now. I've been married for half of my life almost and nothing is going to change legally if I just stop saying I love you, if I stop opening the car door, if I just choose to not come home every now and then, stay at a friend's house, like I don't really know what that means. I don't have friends who would do that. But if I wanted just to be wherever, I, I don't have to come home, but I, I choose to. Now, nothing would really change in the relationship other than a, a really awkward supper the next night, but nothing would really change the relationship if I choose to stay quiet, keep my feelings inside and never encourage her, never affirm her, and sometimes don't even come home. But because we have a relationship, that freedom doesn't drive me to see how far I can push it the other way. That freedom drives me to say, now, because I love, this is what I do. And in my relationship with God, I know that grace is real and God will forgive me for any and everything. That doesn't make me wanna go run and see how I can test the limits of his grace It makes me want to say, God, continue that work, continue to do this. And I know if I continue to choose you, if every decision I make is more about you becoming greater and me becoming less, then I know I'm being transformed into your image. Even if that step is a small one, it is a significant step. So on the new journey, every step is a sign of transformation. Every one. He said, we're being transformed from glory to glory, which literally is step by step. We're being transformed into his image. And that transformation is the goal for all of us as followers of Jesus, those of us who know him. And every step is leading us in that way. Now, God's promised to finish his job. The same guy that wrote Corinthians also wrote that God is going to finish the work he began in us, that we know that. But along the way, even now, we have an opportunity to see God transform us right before our very eyes, to see lives change, to see our own life change. So it's a core value for us to celebrate every step because it's a core value to God. I know it's more about leading people home, and we'll get to that next week in our our fifth value. 
But scripture says there is more celebration in heaven over one person that comes home than over 99 who never left. Celebration is a thing in the heart of God. And you and I at times can step back and just celebrate how far we've come. It's okay to recognize that and give him the honor for it. So my question for you today is what is your next step? What is that for you? There's a next step for all of us. Maybe it's building on whatever step you took this morning. Maybe it has to do with spending time with God. Maybe it has to do with speaking the name of Jesus at work. Maybe it has to do with setting an example in your home. Maybe it's something with your marriage. If you have a spouse, maybe it's, it's just an outlook, that, a way to look at yourself that you haven't looked in a while. But what is that next step for you? Because whatever that step is, it is significant and it's worth attention and focus. And then also, what steps are being taken by the people around you? Because if you and I have a responsibility to each other, it, it probably has something to do with encouraging each other in our relationships and our journeys with the Lord. And one of the reasons at times we don't take more steps is we don't have the encouragement. And we all need that. Most of the time, our encouragement, our celebration is about talents or abilities or something exterior. And we all like that. I mean, who doesn't want to be told today, hey, you look really nice today. Like we, we all want that. You look really handsome. You look really pretty or that, you know, I like your hair or whatever the thing is. Like we like to hear that or you sound really good. You did a good job doing this or you, you sang really well or you played well. We like those kinds of compliments but God has created us for much more. And when was the last time you just acknowledged someone else's step? You know, I saw what you did back there when you didn't think anybody was looking and that was really cool. Props, man. Just to encourage. Hey, I, I saw the way they treated you and I don't know that I would have had that patience. That was pretty cool. I saw that. Just to acknowledge each other and say, that's a huge step. Maybe even today after the service to turn and say, I don't know where you've been or what's going on, but... It's good to have you back. I don't know what step you had to go through to get here, but it's really cool. Just to acknowledge. Now, most of us, we just give out compliments because we want one back. And that's not what God's talking about here. It's just celebrating the step, saying, even if you see nothing in me, I see God doing something in you. And I want to affirm that and recognize that. What is the next step for you? Because we could all just sit back and realize how far we have to go, or we could stop today and say, God, I've come a long way. Thank you. When we celebrate anything, we usually do that standing. So let's, let's stand together and pray and thank God for how far he's brought us as we look ahead to whatever is next for each of us. Father, this room is filled with people who have had to take some really difficult steps of late. And there are no doubt some people here that are gathering with us today that over the last few months or even years have had some dreams crushed. They've been discouraged, disappointed. They've had opportunities taken away from them. Relationships have fallen apart. Been financial strains or emotional strains. And there may have been times that were so dark, they weren't sure if they were ever going to know joy again. But yet here they are today. In your presence, with your people, 
gathering to celebrate your son. So God, they've come a long way and I pray that we're able to stop just to recognize that and to thank you for what you've done in our lives. Forgiving us peace when we thought it was over. Forgiving us a reason to have hope when we thought we would never have another one. We've come a long way. God, there are some who this time last year were going through some lonely, lonely battles and yet you brought people into their lives and you sustained them to this point. And I pray they would have the joy this time next year to be able to encourage others who are going through that same valley. So God, thank you for bringing us where you have. God, there's some in our gathering here today that are trying to follow you even though they've never seen it before. They weren't raised in a home that honored you. They weren't raised in a place where God's promises were prayed over them at night. They weren't raised in a place where there was healthy communication and forgiveness and mercy. There was just a lot of division and bickering and yelling and fighting and hopelessness. And here they are, after all they've been through, trying to see if it might be possible to build a life on you. And God, I applaud them. God, I I have no idea how hard it must have been for them to take those steps to create something they never saw, but they're doing it. And I pray today they would find hope and feel encouraged. God, give us eyes to see steps that are being taken by people around us so that we can call them out and call them up and, and encourage them as they're taking steps. And God, reveal to us what's next for us. There's some here that need to step forward and be baptized. There's some that need to step forward and join a small group and try to connect with people. Even though they would rather be alone, they know they need people. There's some who need to step up and serve. Some just need to read their Bibles for the first time in their lives. Some need to get up 10 minutes earlier tomorrow and just spend time with you and pray. Some need to ask forgiveness. Some need to just say, I love you. Whatever that next step is, Empower us today to take it. We will trust you. We will follow you as you lead our way on our journey. And as our hope and dream, desire and value is to celebrate every step along the way. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's celebrate in song.